Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome to the Brain Dump. Hope everybody's having a great day today. Uh, we got Austin here. Anthony, how are you? How are your grapes? I just swallowed the last one, so I am good to go. I'm ready. I'm in podcast mode now. Awesome. Well, in true fashion, uh, we have. I got introduced introduced to this gentleman about a month ago. I've done some of his courses. Uh, he is. Uh, He's amazing at what he does. That would be an understatement and, and just an amazing teacher at his craft. Uh, Mr. Mark England, how are you doing, sir? Very well, Austin. Thank you for having me on. You too, oh, Anthony. Man. Appreciate Thanks, it. It's good. Thanks for being here. In true brain dump fashion, I don't have a clue what you do. So this is going to be a nice little exploratory mission for both me and the audience. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because uh, Austin's over here saying great things and he doesn't usually say that. So, uh, very negative. Do you even want to explain what you do or you just want to get into the topic, Mark? I'll let you decide. Uh, do I get to pick the topic? Yes, you do. And you get to pick the topic. Any topic. Any topic. Any topic. You go there. Okay. How about living overseas? Ooh. Oh, man. We were just talking with somebody before this. We were just talking. We just, left, we just left a podcast. The girl we were with uh, does real estate from Bulgaria. Interesting. I've yeah, heard yeah. Sofia is a, uh, that's the capital, okay. uh, a stunning, stunning town. I mean, I've, I've looked yeah. at pictures of it. One of my friends, um, was thinking about moving there. Uh, and uh, that's how I got well familiar with, with Sofia, uh, in Bulgaria, which is also very close to Turkey. Mm -hmm. I spent yes. a couple Turkey's of, I spent amazing. a summer there. I've Istanbul, been to Sofia a couple cities. of times and it's such an interesting city because when you're there, you can see both the communist influence and like the architecture, like there's like the Soviet era, like very concrete. And then there's all this new money and all these like new glass steel skyscrapers going up. So it's like this juxtaposition of capitalism and communism in real time. It's very interesting. Super cool. Yeah. How colorful is a town of a town? Is it, it looks very pretty. It is pretty. Yeah. Bulgaria is cool in the sense that like we, we went there, I've been there twice on business. One time we were hanging out in Sofia proper for the entire time. It was cool. People are great. And then the other time we went out into the country uh, to visit a factory and that was also really cool. Um, just beautiful countryside Turkey. If you've ever been there, it's like just, just gorgeous rock climbing everywhere as far as the eye can see. So Anthony, Anthony was at one point a professional rock climber and trained Olympic athletes. So, Sweet. Yeah. So Annie owns a manufacturing or he's part owner in a manufacturing company for rock climbing holds. So, yep. And one of our partners, one of our major distributors is based out of Bulgaria. So, but let's, let's, let's tie this back. So Mark, why, why living overseas? What, 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 what angle are we taking with this? Well, this is my 251st podcast. And all 250 before this have been about language and how it influences us for better and for worse. So uh, we could cover that. We might cover that and start with living overseas because um, it's the first thing that came to my mind on the laundry list of things other than the ma magic power of words to talk about. 
And I lived in Thailand for a decade and uh, got a little stint down in, down in Ecuador for a year and a half. And it's, um, and traveling is one of the, one of the, I didn't grow up doing it. I only got my passport when I was 24, moved overseas when I was 26. And it was one of the best decisions I, I ever made in my life. So, so on that vein, because I share the same value, there's nothing to me that matters more than location independent, being able to travel. It's how I set up my businesses. I spent two and a half months in Europe. It's I'm going to live in Spain at one point, Italy. So what about the act of traveling? Is it the nature or is it the con? Is it the, is it the bringing together of different ideologies that, that really gives you what you, what you're seeking? Well, you get a second opinion on life, especially when you go somewhere that's very different from Richmond, Virginia, which is where I grew up. You know, I was born in Virginia, raised in Virginia, went to uh, uh, college in Virginia and, and Bangkok, which is where I lived for the first five years. I was over there. It is directly on this, on the same uh, uh, longitudinal line as Richmond, Virginia. Mm. Okay. <laughs> complete opposite side of the world like the opposite side of the globe. And that to me, um, you know, you have to figure out the basics all over again, but with spin, because, you know, even if you study a little bit of Thai before you go over there, it's, it's, a lot, it's very different. So, uh, a different culture, different, different, different approach, different, different body uh, uh, mannerisms, the whole, the whole thing, different food, different everything. It was amazing. I think one of the, the interesting things, cause I grew up traveling a lot. My dad was military. So we, we spent a lot of time overseas and then my unique circumstances in life have also just led me to being in a lot of foreign countries a lot. And, you know, this podcast is about the psychology of success. And one of the things that you start to learn when you surround yourself in different cultures, different places is that everybody has different barometers of success. It can be defined in so many different ways. And one of the really fascinating things is if you're a very Western centric civilization, like we are here in the U S like we define success in one very particular way. And that's a lot of times based off of money or prestige or like the individual, we hold the individual at a very high level. But then when you go over to like Asian cultures, it's different. It's family, it's community. It's a very different metric that they use to define success. And there's not like a right or wrong. It's just being immersed in those different cultures, those different perspectives, I think is, is key to seeing that your life doesn't have to be just one facet. It doesn't have to be just that one thing. It can be from all these different angles. It's good to get a second opinion on it too. You know, mm -hmm. uh, some of my friends dabble in the psychedelic world and, uh, and the, the terminology, a second opinion on reality comes up. It's good to get a second opinion. I've never met anybody that said, I wish I'd never got that second opinion for a reason. So yeah, travel folks. Hey, you, don't, you don't have to use it, right? Get that second opinion. It doesn't work for you. Throw it out, whatever. Yeah. But the people exactly. that don't, the people that don't want the second opinion is, are they lying to themselves that they have it all figured out or are they disregarding the second Not opinion even. because they think their ego won't let them see the second opinion? 
Yeah. Afraid to be challenged. Maybe. Maybe a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of Turkey? Anthony. Cool. I think Turkey's some of the best rock climbing in the world. So I, I equate everything to rock climbing and based off of how good people's rocks are. They got some good rocks over there. Uh, good rocks. They got some good rocks that people are, I mean, it's probably one of the most beautiful countries, honestly, like flat out. It's probably one of the most beautiful because, and a lot of people don't go there. They don't realize it. They, they go over to Greece and then I realize like, oh, you could hop right over to Turkey and Turkey is in a lot of ways less touristy the, and way better. It's the number one hot balloon uh, capital in the world. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The town, that, that particular town is called Cappadocia. They, they, it's got the, the, the interesting rock it formations. Looks like, or, it looks like then, Aladdin. Yeah, it looks like yeah, Aladdin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, that city uh, used to be Con- Constantinople. Uh, history on top of history with a side order of history. So deep. So, so deep. deep. So deep. And that's the other thing that's really cool is recognizing in the U.S., like our culture is relatively young. It's only a couple hundred years old, really, from the founding in 1776, from the founding of the uh, Declaration of Independence. And so that's not a very long time frame when you start comparing it to these countries that have thousand year timelines and cities that have been around for just millennia. That's it's crazy. You go to you go to Europe and everybody has a castle. And you're like, there are castles everywhere. What the <laughs> hell? Like, like these things have been out of out of uh, out of use for longer and, than we've been around as a country. It's crazy. You know, and only what I find, just because this is what I did for so long, was because I sold wine, right? And I got I fell in love with the story of the wine and met South African American winemakers. And I was in Burgundy, France. And you know, we in the Western society, we bastardize the use of alcohol, right? We, we overextend because we're hiding from something or we're distracting or something. And over there, it's so ingrained in community and family. It's so ingrained in the farmers and the stories that they tell it, it, it wrote the history books. Right. And one of the things I love about Europe is there's a romantic um, storytelling scenario to everybody that you meet. You know, we, we went to the French winemaker who's never, sended his wine over to America ever. And we're drinking in his private cellar in a vineyard and he didn't speak any English, but yet I understood everything he was saying because we were talking about wine. And and so there is a connectivity um, to that moment that nobody could ever take away from me because I literally shot a video and I was like, this is, I said to myself, this is the fucking shit that you've dreamed about for 15 years and it's happening right now. <laughs> and so it was like that moment that has always stuck in my head. It's, it's, it's a way different way to view life mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. And a different pace of life too. You know, one of the coolest things is going to, to Spain and seeing just how everybody kind of shuts down midday. They go into their siesta. That's, that's, it's absurd. It's absurd in, in our culture, like the, to even like fathom that, right? Like, and, and honestly, like having a life by design in a lot of ways for me means I can take a nap whenever I want to and like just go and chill out. Quite often, I have to give myself permission to do that. And so it's not still this ingrained thing where it's like, this is just how we how we are, how we do. Uh, so I still have a long ways to go there. But I'm interested, Mark, when you're talking about you know, learning the basics. I think one of the really interesting things about travel is that it really forces you outside of your comfort zone in a lot of ways. Like you might be comfortable with the idea of travel, but you go to a foreign country where you've never been before, you don't know anybody that's inherently uncomfortable. And I think discomfort is a key to growth. Like you, nobody grows inside their comfort zone. You have to get outside of that a bit. So 
is that is that a bit of the angle for you as well or is the is that just kind of like a a side benefit that happens organically well it was a it was a side benefit you know i i i i moved over to thailand in 2002 i was a uh, uh mma guy in mm-hmm. college and won a couple of kickboxing titles in virginia and the plan was all my buddies were going pro or opening schools and stuff. It was very early days of, of that sport. <laughs> Didn't have a name yet. And uh, I was going to go over there for a year and polish up the skills and come back and go pro. And, and that did not happen. Um, so I went over there with a specific intention, not of chilling out or letting go of getting or getting a second opinion on life or anything. Uh, and I got all of those things. Um, in the process of, of, uh, of, of making a life over there. I was five years in Bangkok as a, uh, international sports teacher at a, an American school, great gig. And then, uh, as a counselor on an Island in the Gulf of Thailand for five called Koh Samui, which I'm sure if you're a rock climber, you've been over to Thailand, Renong beach, Rayleigh beach. Rayleigh. Yep. 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 Very so Mark, it just occurs to me that I have, I believe, consumed a piece of your content before. I think you gave a talk on identity, right? Something, yes, you did. Something to the effect about Bam! Family, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's such an interesting, I mean, not to pull it back into like the same old areas that you're used to talking I, about. We were going to go there. We were going to get there. We were going to yeah. start somewhere I mean, different. I just picked something. Yeah. Yeah, it's the stories. Uh, they all end the same, but it's just how you get into them is always a little different. So but one of the think, one of the yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, identity is such a fascinating subject. You know, having been a previous, you know, um, athlete, you know, a, a MMA athlete, where you, that's your identification. For me, it was rock climbing. Before that, it was snowboarding. For a time, I was you know full time author, and so like, there's always these identities that so easily just get kind of we glom onto ourselves and I'm like, that's who I am. And then when that gets torn away, it's very raw and like, well, now who am I? And so I, I remember consuming that, that I think it was a Ted talk, maybe. Um, I remember resonating with it too, being like, yep. I think everybody who's ever had their identity ripped away from them kind of looks at it and says like, I relate. I, I get that. <laughs> I've had a lot of people say that same thing in almost verbatim language is, uh, you know, I was a sp- speed skater. I mean, just fill it in. Yep. Something that we get emotional about and we get a lot of attention about, especially yeah. when that, when that, and that attention, it's, it's, it stops flowing our way. Uh, I remember when my girlfriend at the time referred to me for the first time, cause I was, I went over there and six months in, I had my had a second knee surgery and, uh, the whole thing stopped darkness descended. Anyway, the first time that my girlfriend referred to me in the past tense as a, as a fighter, oh, you know, he used to fight, not present tense. That shook me, man. That shook me. And I, and I, I flinched and I, I puckered up. I got, I, I got, I got, I got upset, not visibly just inside. Um, it's a tricky thing, man. You know, there's a, well, the word addiction comes to mind. Well, it's funny. That's where I was going. 
And I think I've had this conversation with you. I tend to have it every podcast I jump on. It's not the act of the change. That's the problem because that can be accomplished through setting goals, setting habits, changing stuff like that. It's when we strip away and become exposed to not being able to identify with that anymore. That truly freaks us the fuck out. <laughs> Tell me about it. That's, that's, that's the your, issue. You're right. Yeah. That's the issue. There's a interesting documentary that came out. Um, I think fairly recently actually called the weight of gold where they're studying the, what happens after you win the gold medal at the Olympics. Like, where do you go from there? You know, and in a lot of cases it's followed by mental health issues and depression. And a lot of those athletes will go on to coach or start their own training or whatever. Um, but not always like sometimes they just have to get away from that old identity. This is the thing for me. Like I rock climbing wasn't taken away from me in any kind of like demonstrative event. It was just time was catching up with me and I couldn't do it at the same level that I did it before. And I couldn't reconcile where I was now versus where I used to be. And so there was a lot of ego tied into this thing. And so for me, I had to take a willing intentional step away and say, well, it's not healthy for me to constantly be comparing myself to my past self, but I can't seem to engage in this activity in a way, in a healthy way without doing that. And so I need to find a new identity. And so that kind of is what ultimately set me away from rock climbing. Interestingly enough. Yeah. Getting away from that addiction. Yeah. But, but I wonder if after you get a, and I'm interested, both of your opinions, I wonder, cause okay. Perfect example. I had PST, PTSD, with the short-term rental business, right? As I was very uncomfortable with where I was, what it was doing in my lifestyle. And I got, you know, a couple of years away from it and now I'm getting back into it. I wonder if sometimes you need that separation of identity and space. And then maybe it's something that you revisit at another time when your ego, like you said, is not attached to it anymore, because really that's, that's what we're talking about, right? It's not the actual identity, it's the ego attached to the identity, correct? Yeah. I think for me, you know, like I really, I, I consider myself having retired from climbing like five years ago and that means I climb like every now and then. And every time I go, I kind of expect to like fall back in love with it. And I know I don't, I keep thinking like, Oh, this was a thing that I used to do when I back, back when, like it, it's just kind of like a, a superhero cape that you picked up and then you put down and you're like, that's just not who I am anymore. Now I have this new, this new, or maybe I don't even need a cape anymore. Maybe that's the more, that's, that's maybe what I'm striving for now is like, I don't need to identify or trying to not identify as like any one particular thing, which is difficult because humans like to be categorized. Makes it, makes it easy. One of, uh, one of my buddies asked me, it's, it's good to know when things are over. Well, at least I think so. Uh, uh, and, 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 and over and, uh, you know, settled. I'm, I'm good with that mm-hmm. kind of way. One of my, he's one, also one of our level three coaches. He asked me, he goes, what was it like when you, when you kicked a bag for the first time after that, after that a knee surgery? So it was fucking depressing. And it was depressing for about a decade because all that did is remind me of years that, that, that are over, that are gone 
talking to my business partner about this last week. They have a very interesting term and I forget the country. It's West Africa. And I'll get the pronunciation close. It's called Ngolo. And Ngolo is a term. I think it's cool that they have a term for this. It's a term for years that are that you lose in the prime of your life of something, never to get them back. Mm-hmm. And it sets up this 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 other insatiable in in, in their culture. And I buy I'm, I'm living it. This other insatiable appetite that goes into something else and you carry it with you. It's like, you never get those, you never get those years back. You know, you're never going to get them back. And it drives you in other aspects of your life. Like, okay, so what do I do? Anthony, uh, I'm a, I'm a language geek. So I, I stare at words. I've been for the past 14 years, uh, somewhere between full time and overtime the whole time, researching, coaching, and presenting on the power of language for better and for worse. My buddy and I, we own a training company, and our main gig is certifying coaches. And where the energy for this comes from, I don't know. And then I also do know. It's got something to do with that because I can compete in this arena for a very long time. I'm young. I'm, 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 I'm young and I'm green in the game compared to what, you know, somebody who's real polished at what they do in, in an area that they can compete and excel at you know, into their 60s, 70s. That's something interesting. Very interesting. I'm only 45. Mm-hmm. My experience. A Go lot ahead. of, I'm sorry, Austin, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're fine. I, I you know, I talked to a lot of young athletes, you know, we coach, um, you know, Olympic, uh, an Olympian. And one of the, uh, one of the questions you get when you're talking to like younger athletes, because I have to make a decision of like, am I going to go full into this thing? Am I going to dedicate and see how far I can take this? And you have to make a decision because you kind of have to sacrifice a lot of things if you want to be the best at a sport. And you only have a limited amount of time to really realize that potential before time starts working very actively against you. And I think, um, my, my general answer to people is, well, can you live, can you live with not having pursued it? But can you live with the regret and like looking back and when you're young, you have no context for regret. You have no context for what that looks like. But my, my answer to them usually is like, if you're really obsessed with this, and you don't go for it and, and see what you can do. Even if you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to win the, the gold, but you just see how far you can go because you need to know for yourself, like you will always regret that. And, and once that, once time closes that door, you can't reopen it. And there's going to be plenty of time later in life to start businesses, to go and start family, do all these things that you want to do. But when it comes to like physical pursuit, like you gotta, you gotta take, take the, the shot when it's there. It's true. That's a good question about regret. It's a good way to help them make a choice. Well, decide, like you said. I think what was really interesting in, you know, watching people, because me and Mark have a common thread that we talk about all the time, what he does and what I do in my coaching, it's art. That's what it is. And we truly believe that in our souls. And to watch, I was at a workshop that Mark was at 
couple of weeks ago that he that he led. And I watched Mark lead a room for an hour and a half, and he never once uh, told people what to do. He asked them questions and gave them space. And as everybody's in the workshop and they're in their own things and they're, they're, they're lifting up at things, I was sitting there watching a performer perform in a group of you know, 25, 30 people. And it, there's something magical to see a person in alignment with what he's teaching. And I took tons of stuff out of it. And it's, it's just like you would watch a, a baseball player hit a home run, just like you would watch, uh, you know, a wrestler wrestle, just like you would watch a skier ski. He was in his arena and it was, it was, I took a, I still take a lot from that to this day. And um, the same thing, this conversation is happening. The same thing that, you know, you're writing, right. Or you're writing and you're invoking, uh, you know, emotion out of the writing and, or you're emoting emotion. And I think the arena can be different in so many sectors. And I don't think people understand that they're in the arena every day. Yeah. That's what I really want to point out here for the people listening at home who are, you know, ostensibly listening to a podcast that's about the psychology of success, which means just so many different things, but you, you might hear that and be like, Oh, well, Mark's a presenter. He's a teacher. He's a coach. Uh, that's good for him. Like he has a place where he can perform and like he's in his zone, but you do too. Like, and if you really want to be successful, if you really want to find fulfillment and not just achievement, if you want to like find the way to blend those two, then you, you, you go into whatever it is you do, your WT job, if you're, you know, you're a cook, you're an accountant, and you look at that and say, this is my arena. I'm here to perform. Like, this is, this is what I was here to put here to do. And suddenly you connect your, your work with a very deep sense of meaning and fulfillment. And I find that really impactful. For Mark, I'm curious, what got you into language? That seems like such a shift from what you were doing before. And a lot of times that's how these things happen is like, it's just a hard, hard right-hand turn into something completely new. So what got you into studying words? Good question. After a year not laughing, <laughs> I probably didn't even smile for a year. Uh, a guy had such a victim mentality, entrenched, raging in my head, blaming the world, using the whole thing as proof that I was doomed to fail, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I said, I got to do something because I looked down the path of that story and I was like, dude, are you going to be complaining about this when you're 55? Like if you are, then you, you, you did, you, you turned into that loser that you're afraid mm -hmm. that you are. So right around that same time, the vice principal came back from doing this cleanse it's a, this, this holistic herbal detox down on one of the islands in, uh, in the Gulf of Thailand. He goes, man, that was actually really cool. I think you'd like it. And I go, you know, that's, I'll go do something like that. Why not? See what happens. So I go down there and I come back feeling slightly lighter, slightly brighter. And I kept going back the third time down. I went to a a workshop on emotional detoxification and the guy that was running it turned into my mentor, first mentor in this work, Barry Musgrave. And he was talking about the same thing, words, language, stories, identity. 
and there are there's just a handful of things, gentlemen. I'm, I'm a horrible student. I'm the worst. I was the worst student in school. Not just not just because I had bad grades, but I took it uh, so far. I was I was disruptive, um, uh, uh, and and just a, a real pain in the ass for for teachers and 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 other. <laughs> classmates and things because I was bored out of my mind. There was no way for me to uh, uh, focus on that stuff. I didn't want to learn it, but I did fall in love a couple of times, fell in love. And I wrestled in high school. Okay, fine. I pinned you, you pinned me cool enough. That was nothing compared to the first time I got choked out in a jujitsu class. It's like, Oh, this is significantly cooler. Fell in love there. And I, I don't compete anymore. I don't practice jujitsu anymore. A little bit of kickboxing, but I watch all the UFCs. I go, I got, I, that's the sport I follow all the other sports. No clue. Don't want to have a clue. Um, so the love is there forever. And then that night when I went to that emotional detox workshop and I watched this guy take a woman through a bad breakup and in a matter of 10 minutes and three renditions through it, she went from pissed and, and crying to essentially emotionally neutral. And I said, that's not my story. I, I saw the process made the dots connect. I said, that's not my story, but that's my story. That was, uh, I was 2003, late 2003. And, and the love's been there since. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because it, when I, when I've, there, I've, how many books have I had that the subject material is important? I'd get a lot out of it. And it, it's, it's written in, in too high of a level. I, just, I, I, I don't, I don't comprehend it. So I don't I get a couple pages in, I put it down. So it's the same thing with stuff. You know, attraction's not a choice. That's an interesting thing to think about everybody. Good luck talking yourself out of somebody you're attracted to, or good luck talking yourself into somebody you're attracted to or, or something. Pay attention to what you're attracted to. One of the things he had everybody do, Anthony, that was I thought was super important and guilty as charged. Uh, he says Americans talk too fast. And so their words are like almost skipped in their mind. And so what he said, when you write down your goals or you have something you want to say, say it at 70 percent is what you would say. And then when you get to the to the period, you breathe it in. Feel it and then continue on. He said, if you were to say that three times over, how ingrained in who you were, how, how would that be? Right. And just kind of, it, it was really eye opening. And then, and then he's got a whole nother thing on soft words. You know, you're not speaking firm and we can go through all that stuff, but I thought it was super powerful. Just that initial stuff. I can only imagine um, if you were to feel it, the way. And I, one of the exercises he did that I thought was so great is this woman was telling a story about her dad and she was super upset about it. And he made her like change it around. And by the third time she was through, she was smiling about the story. And the feeling she had about the story was a hundred percent different than the first time she said it because her perception of the story and how she, just by changing her language and her talk, it was pretty powerful stuff. A lot of that does come down to speed. So it's hard to track your words when you're talking fast. It's hard to breathe well when you're talking fast. That sets up uh, problems, like legitimate problems. 
So, yeah, I remember her. I had a couple of conversations with her uh, post that evening and she's maintained a lower rate of speech since then. And she's like, my husband and I are talking to you. It's so much easier with each other. No shit. You want to you want to have uh, some poor conversations with the people you're in relationships, everybody speed up the how fast y'all talk by about 15, 20 percent and keep it there. Watch what happens. The breath's not going to be there. It's going to be tight, rigid. Your butthole's going to be all puckered up. Your listening's going to go down. Look it up. Amygdala hijack if you want to get all technical about it. But yeah, it's none of that stuff's rocket science. It's just very, it, it's so simple. It's, it's overlooked, you know? There's got to be something way more complex to all the problems I'm creating for myself than what's in between my ears and right under my nose and my breath. We're not taught this stuff. I've got a degree in education. I came up in the public school system and I haven't met anyone in the American public school system that had any courses, classes, or conversations on how to use their words to keep the drama low, focus on the things that are important, build themselves up in their imagination, read well. You know what I've used about 16 times with my coaching clients? What's up, buddy? When you were talking about how this is America reading uh, anything and their papers right here in front of their eyes. And he said, if you slowed down your speech and you brought it out to here, how would it feel different? Like, isn't that the truth to all of America? It's right here in your face and your, your emotions are tied up into it. But I don't let Anthony speak, but I thought that was cool. I think that the idea of attraction as a choice is a really fascinating point to dig into a little bit because the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was the poem by Rumi or specifically the quote from a poem. I can't remember which one it was where he says that which you seek is seeking you. And it's interesting that for you at that point in your life, that language that this pursuit found you and I wonder for people at home that are struggling, they're like, well, I don't know if I have something that I'm super attracted to that thing that I'm obsessed with. Do you, do you think it was like an openness, a receptiveness? Do you think it was a once in a lifetime lightning bolt that put that in front of you at that moment? Or like, what is it that for people that are like, I don't, I don't have that deep passion, that attraction, but I want that. Like, how do you go find that? How do you set off on the journey? I believe more in fate now than I used to due to some hypersynchronicities around pivotal moments on my path. Um, I do believe some people are touched with grace from time to time in their life or the opportunity to, to, uh, pick a path. Okay. Here's an, here's a weird story. So about that and not choosing. I met this girl one weekend. I was up in college, cute little thing. And, and we had chemistry and she left after the weekend and I didn't get her number. Her name was Michelle. And I ran into her about a year later at this thing called Friday Cheers down in Richmond, Virginia. 
There's a lot of people, bands, beers, the whole thing. And I just randomly bump into her. It's about a year, two and a half years before I went over to Thailand. And I look at her, she looks at me, we get these, these, these big eyes and one of her friends grabs her by the, didn't know what was going on, grabs her by the back of the shirt and pulls her into the crowd. And I stand there. I didn't lean forward. I didn't lean back. It was just sturdy. And I watched this whole, it, I, I could see it like a tube with all the stories, a house and some kids and just, just the whole, this whole thing just evaporated down this, like it was there and it wasn't. There was an opportunity and it just got sucked into the, the crowd and it was over. And I was like, I had no, no metaphysical ability to comp- contemplate anything other than, you know, normalcy. And I go, that was weird. And then there's times when you're in the right place at the right time and you make a move. You know, we're, uh, so I'll, I'll circle back to that, that question, Anthony, about what do you do if you're, you want to, you want to, you want that passion. Um, you were, we're, we're not, we're also not taught to decide in school. You know, we're taught to memorize you know, the, the word decision comes. It's, there's a finality to it. You know, like like pesticide and homicide, and 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 you decide. There's it's final. It's over. I burn the boats. It comes from a Greek word uh, that that means to cut off all options. And sometimes it takes a while to decide. It took me ten years, ten years on this path. It's after ten years of of being in love with this and it's just an infatuation. It's an unrational love in one sense. I looked around after 10 years in the game, like I said, I've been doing it 14 and, and I said, I I don't have any more questions about what I'm going to do with my professional life. I'm going to do this for 50 years because I want to know what 50 years in a game full-time feels like. And I can compete in this arena for 50 years competitively uh, and get better as I go. So I scroll down to my, went in my calendar, scrolled down to January 17th, 2057. It's a true story. And it's a Wednesday. And, uh, cause that's when I started January 17th, 2007. And I put in my calendar. It's the last, it's, it's, I'll do a workshop then fine. Fuck it. And, uh, I changed my Instagram handle. And so Pay attention. If you don't have a a passion, get real clear about what you hate doing and stop doing it. That's a good start. I mean, it's more rocket science for you. You know, I I, I need more passion in my life. Well, how, how much shit are you doing that you hate? Cut that in half and then cut that in half and then cut it out altogether. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like you, you go, you got to wean off of stuff and then, and then go, go have some fun. Everybody knows what fun is. Okay. Go on an adventure. People's people's language is devoid of that word. Somewhere between deficient and devoid. Pick an adventure. Go on it. Go on a road trip for three weeks. We haven't been. We've we've stricken uh, wonder, curiosity, 
an adventure from all, uh, especially Western culture. People lived their life on absolutes. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is who I'm supposed to with. This is where I'm supposed to live instead of being open to opportunities of wonder, curiosity, and adventure. You're too kind, Austin. Stricken? More like killed, you know, and, and absolutes and guarantees. And how about permission? What do you think? I, I'll go on a little rant about the educational system. I can do that. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you think sitting down for all those hours a day and raising your hand when you're, you know, a young, physically, a young man, young woman and all the, the excuse, can I go take a poo poo? You know, that, that's, that fucks with somebody's head. You know, all that, all that asking permission, it takes the wild out of people. It takes the, it takes the domestication domesticates people all that sitting it's just horrible and then memorizing stuff that you're not going to use when you grow up you're not you're not gonna remember you're not gonna remember a tenth of what you learned in high do you austin do you remember a tenth of what you learned in high school i have no idea what was going on in high school me either man no i literally don't know anything i have learned more in the last three months than i've learned in all of high school and that's cool, folks. Okay. Read some books, listen to some podcasts with people with amazing stories. And eventually some of that sinks in like, oh, oh I maybe, I guess I could go do some of that. Mm-hmm. You start one taking of, out the maybes and the guesses and the coulds. And one of the, one of the reasons the podcast even exists, this one and my other one is because I wanted people to be empowered by their story. Mm. And one of my favorite things to do in the entire world is bring on people they never thought they would ever be on a podcast, be on a podcast. And then when somebody reaches out to them and say, your story resonated with me, it empowers them to share it again. And then that awakes something inside of them that they didn't even know was there. And it starts to open up more doors into options and the way they view themselves. That's the power of something like that. Listen to what he just said, folks. He's on it. And guess what? You're not going to hear any of this stuff on the news. You want to wreck your head? Listen to the news. I don't care what side. Just it's because it's not the news. It's the bad news. People say, oh, I'm reading the news. No, you're reading the bad news. Listen to the bad news. Cut that out. Watch what happens. Go on a walk. Start walking. Get into breath work. You want to go on an adventure in your own home with just you get high on your own supply? Take go, go take Wim Hof's online course. I think it'll blast you off. Second opinion on reality with your breath. I go on rants. <laughs> no, I think it's good. It's all about the the information that you're consuming. What are you putting into your brain? It's garbage in, garbage out. And the interesting thing about the news is that yeah, it only ever reports the bad stuff because that's what. Here, here's the real reason for it is because we're surrounded with good news and we take it for granted. And so we're not interested anymore. If you like really look at it objectively, like there's, there's a surplus of good news. It's my quote of the day. And so, and so we're not interested in it. So dude, we have to sell just, dude, you just, I'm sorry. You just took my mind, dude. You're surrounded by good news. You're surrounded. It, wow. Absolutely. Look around you right now. Like, if you don't believe me, just look around you. Like, Everything about the fact that you're listening to this, that you're okay, that you're healthy, like that you're breathing, that you you're in a mental place where you can even like consume any of this, like it's good. It's all it's good. 
it, it, when you look at the scale of like good to bad, it's just, it's not even close. And so first is don't put, don't fill your brain with the bad, spend more time being grateful and mindful of, of what's occurring in the present. And I think the education system is something that we talk a lot about because at the, at the end of the day, the education system is really designed to create conformity to help you fit in with society and the masses to be one of the masses. But the problem is that generally the masses aren't very happy. And so what we value as a collective is really creativity and curiosity and individuality. And yet we're training ourselves to, to fit in. It's like, uh, these are at odds. And so you got to go. I love the idea of um, wonder and curiosity and adventure. Austin. I think that's a really cool framework of thinking like you have your goals, you have your business goals, you have your money goals, you have your relationship goals. Tell me what your curiosity goal is. What's your wonder goal? Do you got one? No. Okay. Start there. Step one, go get a wonder goal. I had a, I had a friend text me yesterday because we're leaving for Tahoe in six days. And he said, he said, let me tell you, he said, let me tell you something about you. He said, the number one thing that I respect about you is you're totally available for the opportunity of wonder. Here's this new opportunity that was presented in front of us. Does it align with who I want to be? Okay, we're off. And that was not the case a month ago. It was a different path. But adapt, learn, open, curiosity, move. And in Mark's way with the language stuff, is there's a couple of things I'm trying to sh just get out of the vocabulary. It's I have to needs to go away for sure. I get to, I get to be on this call with you. I get to show up for this. And then it's the simple thing of, and tell me if you're over this too, Mark, the number one thing I refuse to say anymore is, Hey, how are you doing? I'm busy. Sorry, <laughs> so fucking so bad. <laughs> I'm fucking busy. What a fucking cop out. Everybody's fucking busy. But how are you really, right? If we actually got a layer deeper, then maybe people would feel like you actually give a shit instead of just saying like, oh, I'm fucking busy. Drives me crazy. You, you know something I want to, I want to tack on top of the, I, the have to versus I get to conversation. Um, another really interesting one to kind of tack on to like to really supercharge it, I find is not just I get to do this thing, but like, I can't believe I get to do this thing. I can't believe I get to go on a walk right now. I can't believe I get to sit here and talk to two amazing people. And there's something about that is just like, it hits on a different level for me where it's like, Oh wow. Cause you really start to do the, the mental calculus of the math and the probabilities of like, what are the odds that we would have this opportunity for everything to work out just perfectly. And to Mark's point, like you start to wonder like, Oh, maybe there's a little bit of aspect of fate here, but regardless, when you look at it through the lens of like extreme gratitude of like, wow, I can't believe it. We get this chance at life. Then you know, things, things don't seem so bad on those great days. Suddenly you're like, oh, maybe life is okay. I was just going to let everybody sit there because I think we were all taking it in. But uh, what I want you to tell Anthony about, and he's very well read and he's written books, so he might actually know this, but maybe not. You know, it's that word. I want you to actually explain what it means because I think it's the most fascinating thing in the world. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? The abracadabra word? Yep. Yeah. Most people think magic when they hear that word. I did. 2013, I was having dinner with friends down in Ecuador, and uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, Mark, he knows in the language game. He said, hey, Mark, you know what the definition of abracadabra is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Magic. He goes, nope. Abracadabra, he told me the story. Abracadabra is Aramaic. Old language. The language the original Old Testament was written in. And abracadabra translates to with my word I create or with my word I influence. The teachers of the day, let's see if I got, I do. They would triangulate abracadabra. The one thing I forgot to do, Austin, and I kicked myself at the presentation because I had these made for Mm -hmm. Austin. Some business cards made, dude. Wooden. That's his business card. So cool. Yeah. It's got abracadabra on it. So they would triangulate abracadabra, wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word. Uh, Because they knew if they got it right, things were going to be easier. Got it wrong, as in their language is working against them, which is what most people's language does. Works against them. They don't even know it. Things are going to be unnecessarily harder. And sometimes a lot harder. And, uh, I'll go down in history as the guy that woke this up. Cause this right here in my personal and professional opinion is the most well recognized word on the planet. It's a sleeping giant. You can go anywhere. I've given workshops in Turkey, ton in Thailand, East coast, West coast, Europe, blah, blah. South America, Central America, doesn't Australia, wherever you go, it doesn't matter what people you say abracadabra, everybody goes to magic. When and I've seen thousands of people's lies light up when you tell them what it really means. Something something happens. Because this right here, this is this is one of the keys to the the lock of dismantling the victim mentality which in my opinion is the, it's the thief and the thief in the night. Most people are unaware that it, it exists or that there's a glitch in their language that forces them into that very uncomfortable place, whether they want it or not. I can keep going. I can talk about I spells. I can talk about magic definitions. No, I, I love, I love this because it ties into, um, a couple different concepts, one being that thought manifests reality and manifestation, I think is an interesting word. Uh, when you really get into the derivation of what that means, it means it's like to reach into the spiritual realm, into the realm of thought, into the abstract of beyond reality, to pull through the curtain, to reach in and pull into reality from nothing. And that's what you're talking about here is your thoughts create words, which create reality. And even when you go to like, I'm not a you know a religious person by any means, but I did, I do have a degree in religion. Um, you look at Genesis, God spoke, let there be light. It started 
with the speech. He spoke into reality. And this is, this is where words, this is where thoughts have so much power. I, I wrote about this yesterday. Thoughts are the genesis of change. Actions are the catalyst. That's worth more than everything I learned in high school. In two sentences. Dude, I love this combo so much. I do have one question for you that I think I know the answer, but I, I wanted to ask you. So you love, this is so, I'm about to change it up here while we wrap it up, but you Good. love to do voice text messages. Love them. Yeah, love them. And I'll even send it backwards and you'll send back voice. Uh, is that because you want them to hear the dictation in your voice and how you feel like words are powerful? There's a couple things going on there. One, it's more personal than text. Okay, there's something called context collapse. So you miss when it's just words, you miss the inflection, the timing. It's why they created emojis to remedy that. So there's that. It's more personal. Um, it's also easier. It's also easier and faster. It's, all I got to do is hit one button and hold it as opposed to typing this thing out. And then I hung out with Kyle Cease Dude, for, stop. for a weekend. I'm so, he's my favorite. Like Dude. his, his episode of impact theory. I is my, it changed my entire life. That episode. You he want to Kyle Cease story? Dude. I love that guy so much, dude. 2013. He is me. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Austin, I, I've never seen Austin fanboy quite so dude, hard as he, he just did by that one mention. Dude, he believes that <laughs> you shouldn't show up. He believes, it, he believes that you shouldn't show up to context anything that you're doing. He does not prepare for anything. It's how I operate. Dude, I, dude just go ahead. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm serious. <laughs> All good. <laughs> 2013, I'm at a David Wolf Longevity Now conference and. Orange County. And Kyle Cease has a 15 minute spot. Uh, and, and the dude's funny, like funny, funny, fast, funny, fast on his feet, funny. And he's busting on David Wolf who nobody busts on him. Like, oh, okay, who's this? So, and he hands out flyers. Well, they were already handed out. There's several thousand people. There. And he's doing a workshop, an event, three day event in about six weeks. And I'm like, I'm going to be there, but that makes no sense because my travel plans are blah, blah, blah. And it, anyway, I went, I was there. And by the end of it, I enrolled, they had three tiers. Let's call it bronze, silver, and gold. I enrolled in the gold tier coaching package. I dropped 12 K. Uh, and, 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 and that was, that was a lot more than I had ever dropped on anything ever. And, and part of that, a large part of that was, uh, hanging out with him for two days in Calabasas. I did. I drove out there, stayed at his house that night and would, I drove around and just shadowed Kyle. And what you see on stage is what you see off stage. It's very, he's an extremely fluid person. And, um, and turns out 
I'm the first person out of any of his coaching that he had present at one of his events. So if you put in Mark England TEDx into YouTube, the second thing that comes down is the second thing under the, the TEDx or the thing right under the TEDx is the presentation that I gave at his event in 2014 and he introduces me. So Kyle sees. I love it, dude. That makes me so And happy. okay, where did I get? I, 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 yeah, exactly. He did that. That's how he won Comedy Central Co- Comedian of the Year. Mm-hmm. All the people that voted for him, he would get on, uh, maybe it was a podcast or something like that. And he would take him 45 minutes each time he got on. He would just say everybody's name. Thank you. Dun, 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 dun. First and last name. Took him 45. And he would do it multiple days after. And it, 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 he went from third to first. And then, you know, you win that and you win. So I took that away. That was big. I love it. Still doing it. Send out voice it. messages today. Do you have anything else, Anthony? No, that was fantastic. I, I think we need some homework. Yeah, Mark, do you want to send them with the homework? We normally Anthony normally handles it, but I feel like you're you're a teacher at heart. I think you're you you're you're happy to slam some homework. To what do you listeners? think about the soft talk challenge? Ooh, I like it. This is easy, like folks, it. and it's got teeth. It's potent. So of a large chunk of people's indecision, anxiety, 552nd guessing comes down to about 10, 11 words that are peppered through people's language to cause them a whole lot of problems. It's called soft talk. And the soft talk challenge is where you get a piece of paper. If you're close, go ahead and get a piece of paper and a pen. Okay. And I'm going to rattle off these soft talk keywords. I want you to write them down five times larger than you normally write your, your, your handwriting. Why are we doing that? Because when you do that, part of your, part of you, your brain, specifically the reticular activating system goes, why am I writing these words down five times larger than I normally write? Doesn't matter. I'm going to pay closer attention to them. So it's a way of getting your own attention. Write these words five times larger than you normally write them. We've been running this thing for years. People love it because it works. And then you take that piece of paper, stick it up on the wall for seven days where you're going to see it every day and watch what happens. This is what's going to happen. You're going to see those words every day. And then you're going to start to, which is also known as raising your awareness. And then you're going to start picking out those words. You're going to start noticing them more. Uh, first and foremost in texts, okay? Because you got that lag time. You can actually get to stare at the words. Then you'll start hearing them in other people's language, in your language. And then eventually you'll go and pluck a soft talk keyword out. And you'll go from, I guess I'm going to the gym tomorrow to I'm going to the gym tomorrow. You'll go from, you know, maybe maybe I'm drinking too much coffee, <laughs> to I'm drinking too much coffee. You'll go from, I guess I might be procrastinating (laughs) to I'm procrastinating. And what happens when that happens is things get solid, more tight, decisions come easier, confidence goes up, you sound better, you sound different. And as the old saying knows, he who feels it 
knows it or she who feels it knows it. So world famous soft talk challenge. So just to reinforce you and your, your craft, I talked to a buddy yesterday, Jeff Mikuzik, who's a buddy of mine, who's friends with Dennis. Cool. And they talk every week. And he said that Dennis's language has shifted a hundred percent since he started working with you. He said, I feel it. I feel how firm he is, how he's walking different, how he's talking different. So powerful. It is. And that, it just dovetails into a lot of other better things, you know, say, say less and get more done. Mm. Okay. Tighten up your speech and you'll say less. Guess what that means? You get to listen more. Guess what that means? A lot of everything that you want in life. So let's, let's, and, and also soft talk, just all you got to do is pluck out the keywords. It's so easy. That's the easiest place to start. I love it. So here we go. Soft talk challenge. I'm going to rattle these things off five times larger than you normally write. Clean sheet of paper. Guess. Think. Might. Maybe. Could. Possibly. Perhaps. Almost like. Hopefully. Try. And one day. Be a two-day person, folks. Not a one-day person. There's a difference. I love it. Guys, thank you all so much for listening. Go do your homework, teachers in session. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.